On today's Exploring History podcast, we'll look at the fall of the Berlin Wall and the role that prayer played in that dramatic event. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. This week, we observe the anniversary of one of the most significant events of the late 20th century, the opening and eventual fall of the Berlin Wall. Many people have discussed the political and economic factors that led to that event, but today I want to focus on another key factor, namely the role of prayer. I think you'll be amazed and inspired. Let's go back to the origins of the communist ideology in the 1800s. Communism promised to give people a worker's paradise in which everyone would have plenty, workers would share in the ownership and management of the means of production, and all people would share in the responsibility and authority of government. What communism actually created was a government controlled by a small group that allowed no freedom of speech, limited freedom of worship, an economy in which no one could have his own business, and a society in which the police spied on the citizens. In addition, people who lived under communism always struggled to make ends meet because an economy led by government workers instead of one based on free enterprise does not produce enough for everyone. Communists took control of Russia in 1917 and formed the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics in 1922. After World War II, the Soviet Union seized the eastern part of Germany, as well as all of Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, and Poland. Because of the power the Soviets held over these countries, they came to be called satellites of the USSR. The Soviet government controlled everything that happened in those countries. The few people who spoke out against Soviet control risked going to prison and even being killed. When Hungarians tried to break free of communism in 1956, Soviet military forces came into the country and violently crushed them. The Soviet government also crushed an anti-communist protest in Czechoslovakia in 1968. In a particularly brutal move, in 1961, the communist government of East Germany built a wall across the city of Berlin. The communists built the wall to try to prevent people from escaping from the communist east to the free west. The city was divided, and travel between the two parts of the city became practically impossible. Families were separated by the wall and could not visit each other. East German police patrolled the wall, and over the years they shot and killed people who tried to escape over the wall to freedom. Two years later, in June of 1963, President John F. Kennedy visited West Berlin and gave a speech in front of the wall. He expressed his support for the free people of the city and his anguish at the division that the wall caused by saying, Ich bin ein Berliner, meaning, I am a Berliner. Even though communism appeared to be strong, it had serious weaknesses. Its economic policies were a disaster. What is more, it could not crush the longing that people had for freedom. 
For decades, the USSR built up its military strength at the expense of the well-being of its people. The government justified this policy to the people of the country with propaganda that claimed the United States was threatening their country so fiercely that they had to defend themselves at all costs. The Soviet government tried to keep accurate information about the rest of the world out of Russia and Eastern Europe, but people there knew enough to know that Americans and people in Western Europe were much better off economically than they were. In 1980, workers in Poland formed a labor union called Solidarity. Its members began working for a free Poland with a democratic government. The communist government of Poland, with Russia's approval, attempted to wipe out Solidarity, but it continued to operate secretly. Mikhail Gorbachev became the head of the Communist Party in the Soviet Union in 1985. While he was in that position, Gorbachev changed the way the government operated in the Soviet Union. He announced new policies of perestroika, which means reform, and of glasnost, which means openness. He tried to improve the Soviet Union's relationships with free countries. In 1987, U.S. President Ronald Reagan traveled to West Berlin and gave a speech at the Berlin Wall, just as President Kennedy had done in 1963. During the speech, Reagan challenged Gorbachev, saying, General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now let's move to the German city of Leipzig. The city is in the eastern part of Germany, so when the Iron Curtain fell on Europe after World War II, Leipzig became part of communist East Germany. Like the other people of East Germany, the citizens of Leipzig were prisoners behind the Berlin Wall. Catholics in Leipzig founded St. Nicholas Church in 1165. The name in German is Nikolai Kirk. Following the Protestant Reformation in the early 1500s, Nikolai Kirk became a Lutheran congregation. Johann Sebastian Bach spent considerable time in Leipzig. The premier performance of Bach's St. John Passion was performed at the Nikolai Kirk. After the communists took control of East Germany and atheism became the official government position, East German authorities allowed Nikolai Kirk and other churches to continue meeting, but spies closely watched what happened. A Lutheran minister named Christian Fuhrer became pastor of Nikolai Kirk in 1980. In 1982, he began weekly prayer meetings on Monday evenings. People would pray, read passages of Scripture, and sometimes discuss social and political issues. In 1988, Fuhrer invited 50 people to a Monday evening discussion. He specifically wanted to discuss the desire of East German citizens to gain the right to travel freely outside of their country. When word got out about the meeting, 600 people showed up. More and more people began to attend the Monday evening meetings. The state police sent spies to the meetings. The spies had two purposes— to fill the church buildings so fewer genuinely interested people could take part, and to check on what was being said. Of course, as they did this, they heard prayers and scripture in the process. 
Sometimes, regular citizens who attended the meetings were arrested, beaten, and put in jail, but the people kept coming. As word about the Monday meetings in Leipzig spread, people in other East German cities began meeting in city centers on Monday evenings. In May of 1989, police tried to close off Nikolaikirk by setting up barricades around it, but people still came. The movement, based on faith and prayer, was growing. The Soviet Union and Eastern Europe were not the only places where citizens tried to change the conditions in which they lived. When Chinese citizens who favored democracy demonstrated against their government in Tiananmen Square in Beijing in early June of 1989, the communist government of China attacked them brutally. The communist leaders of East Germany praised what the Chinese communist government did. However, during that same summer of 1989, the Soviet Union began to change its policy toward the countries in Eastern Europe that it had controlled. Gorbachev announced that the Soviet Union would no longer interfere with what happened in those other countries. Poland held a free election in June of 1989, and the Polish people voted the Communist Party out of power. New hope for freedom blossomed in countries that had suffered for decades under Soviet domination. Police in Leipzig arrested Pastor Führer and an associate pastor in late September and told them to discontinue the Monday meetings, but they refused to do so. Authorities beat protesters who were marching in Leipzig on Monday, October 2, 1989. Saturday, October 7, was the 40th anniversary of the official founding of East Germany. Nikolaikirk was closed, but about 4,000 people gathered outside it and tried to march peacefully along the city's Ring Road, a road which makes a ring around the city. The police violently broke up the march and arrested several participants. Leipzig police warned that any demonstration two days later on Monday, October 9th, would be stopped with whatever means they thought necessary. Hospital staffs prepared to treat what they feared might be a large number of injured persons. On Monday, October 9th, 8,000 people gathered at Nikolaikirk, completely filling the building and spilling outside. Four other churches in Leipzig opened their doors to receive demonstrators as well. The crowd at Nikolaikirk joined others to walk around the Ring Road. Between 70 and 100,000 people took part in the peaceful march. They carried lighted candles, chanted, We are the people, and prayed. Some members of the state police, who were dressed in regular clothes, moved in among the demonstrators and tried to stir up trouble, but other people surrounded them and called out, No violence! A few people were arrested, but in general, the police merely stood by and watched. Leipzig officials tried to contact the East German government in East Berlin to find out what they should do, but they were not able to do so. The Leipzig authorities were not prepared for the huge number of marchers and did not expect the crowd to remain peaceful. The authorities decided not to try to break up the quiet demonstration, especially since the marchers were their friends, neighbors, and family members. As one East German official said later, we were ready for anything except candles and prayer. When it became clear that neither city officials, East German officials, nor Soviet officials would try to stop the Monday demonstrations, the marches grew quickly. 
On Monday, October 16, 1989, some 120,000 people walked peacefully through Leipzig. On October 23rd, an estimated 320,000 people took part in another peaceful demonstration. On November 4th, one million people marched in East Berlin on behalf of freedom. East German officials announced in an evening press conference on November 9, 1989, that East Germans would be free to pass through the Berlin Wall to West Berlin without hindrance. When reporters asked when that would happen, one East German official said, As far as I know, it's effective immediately. Thousands did so. With free movement between East and West Berlin now permitted, the wall was no longer needed to keep East Berliners in. Hundreds stood on the wall and cheered, while others began tearing it down. Some chipped at it with hammers, while others used machinery to remove huge sections. Freedom had come to East Germany. By the middle of the next year, 1990, all of the communist governments in Eastern Europe had been replaced by freely elected governments. Violence occurred in a few places, but overall the revolution was peaceful. East and West Germany officially reunified into one country on October 3, 1990. The Soviet Union itself was dissolved on December 26, 1991. Communism remains the form of government in only five nations in the world, China, Laos, Cuba, North Korea, and Vietnam. Though China has moved some toward a capitalist economy, all of the communist governments still practice censorship and totalitarian control of their people. The Monday meetings at Nikolai Kirk in Leipzig played a vital part in the fall of communism in Europe. Following reunification, Christian Führer started programs to help people in financial trouble as the German economy struggled to adapt to the new arrangement. Führer, who retired in 2008, said in a 2009 interview, What I saw that evening, referring to October 9, 1989, still gives me shivers today. And if anything deserves the word miracle at all, then this was a miracle of biblical proportions. We succeeded in bringing about a revolution which achieved Germany's unity. It was a peaceful revolution after so much violence and so many wars that we, the Germans, so often started. I will never forget that day. Pastor Führer died in 2014. The world watched in awe as the Berlin Wall came down and communist governments in Russia and Eastern Europe collapsed, not through a military confrontation, but in the face of people's quiet protests and an answer to the prayers of God's people. Years after he left office, Mikhail Gorbachev said that he had become convinced while in college that God had raised him up to free his people from communism when the right man became president of the United States, a leader who would not attack or invade his country. In the 1980s, with Ronald Reagan serving as the U.S. president, Gorbachev believed the time had come. We discussed the role of the Nikolai Kirk in the fall of the Berlin Wall in the Notgrass Middle School World History Curriculum from Adam to Us. In Mark 11, verses 22 through 24, Jesus said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, 
it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. God guides the events of our world. Faith really does move mountains, and it really does bring down walls. Prayer really does change things. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thanks for exploring history with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening.